Listener Production. Hamish Blake is one of Australia's most well-known celebrities, loved by people of all ages and backgrounds. Working closely with Hamish and Andy, I have been fortunate enough to see a side of Hamish behind the jokes and laughter that shines with warmth and humility. Hamish says, The point of life is having fun, adventures and laughing. What follows is a conversation about being grateful to those around us, self-doubt and why the present moment is all we have. We're really just chasing great moments. Like, that's all we're doing in life is trying... I just find myself constantly just trying to slow my brain down to be in this, like, one tiny moment here, not not trying to take a photo of it, not trying to, not trying to save it, even though that's often my instinct, but just to go, just, you know... To take an example from the other day, like, oh my God, Rudy, who's my daughter, her hair, her, the back of her head, it's the best. It's just those little soft curls that little one-year-olds get in the back of their head. And I'm just like, just look at the sun in her curls. And that is a great way to spend this moment. I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Working as a podcast and radio producer, I have been fortunate enough to cross paths with many intriguing people who have had a profound impact on me. In this series, I share stories and experiences from the people who have brought inspiration to my life and hopefully yours too. Hamish Blake is a comedian, actor and author. He is Hamish in the Hamish and Andy duo, one of the most successful radio shows of all time and one of the most influential media brands in Australia. He is dad to Sonny and Rudy and currently has the number one podcast in Australia. (laughs) Hamish, hello. What an absolute honour to speak to you today. Likewise, sir, this is huge. Because normally we do the show together, but you're on the other side of the glass. I know. You don't have microphone privileges. Um, Haim, I've got you on today because obviously you're a very inspiring person, at least obviously to myself. And I have no doubt. It's a lovely I know for a fact for millions of other people out there. So, What are their names? Um, <laughs> well, there'd be uh, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff would be in there. <laughs> there'd be a Dan. No, yeah, that's, I, I think that's an over-exaggeration, but I'll not put the handbrake on this early in the podcast. But I think everyone, what they wonder about you, uh, Hamish Blake, what are you What are you really like? And I always say good things, but I think it's nice for people to hear a bit about your life and like where you came from. Yeah, yeah. So firstly, did you want to be in this industry when you were young? Like when, was this a dream of yours? I would say it definitely was, but it was also mixed with, in hindsight, like a dumb amount of uh, self unconfidence or a dumb lack of self-confidence. So it was always a dream. It was always that, like, you're looking back and you're like, hey, dickhead, like, that's what you wanted to do. Like, I would always remember thinking to myself, oh, wouldn't it be great one day if you could do comedy, you could make people laugh, or like, you know, I would sit like, you know, not uncommon in our line of work, but it was that kid that would, like, obsessively listen to comedy albums and, like, want to understand, like, why jokes worked and why they were funny and, like, I was obsessed with Far Side cartoons, Gary Larson Far Side cartoons oh when I was, gosh. like, 10, I 11 years old. Them. But they, were, they had, there was an air about them. I remember when I got into them that it was, like, oh, you had, it, had, it was, like, a thinking man's cartoon. Like, it was a little cerebral. Sometimes they're a bit weird and it took you a while to get them. I don't know, I just fell in love with that little, that world, that transition, that little moment from before you think something's funny and you're being misdirected and then it ends up being funny in a different way. So, anyway, as a kid, I was... All I was interested in was things being funny, like in class and with friends. Like I just didn't see the point of doing stuff if you couldn't be funny and couldn't make it funny. Like a good day was a day where you were laughing a lot and that was 
to, they just seemed like the obvious point of life was to be having fun and making stuff funny. But yet at the same time, I wasn't like a super confident kid. So I, I never connected the dots that if you like this so much, why don't you do it? And it was probably like a bit of a fear thing too. Like I was like, well, like everyone, you know, mm. I'm too scared to put myself out there. So I'll just do what kids do and I'll go to school and then I'll go to uni. And then, yeah, it just took me. And it wasn't until I was sort of like in my late teens, early 20s that I was like, actually, there's another option, which is you could just start doing the thing you like and see where it goes. So when you did leave uni, did you have something set up already or what? Like- I was already, yeah, again, I'd love to pretend that I was super brave and just like threw it all in and just <laughs> roamed the street handing out demo tapes. But I it, I was already beginning to like monkey bar a bit into other stuff. So I'd started doing stand-up and then, and this is, I was still like 20, 21. And then at, at Fox FM in Melbourne, our buddy and good friend Sam Kavanagh, who then we worked with for the next 15 years. Yeah. He was like a junior producer on The Breakfast Show at the time on Fox FM. And he was like, look, we need, we just need some funny things written, like the little bits and pieces that go on air, like the sweepers they're called. So it's like, like just, you know, a short five, 10 second things. He's like, do you want to, would you do it? Like, do you want to write it? And I was like, sure. And I just sort of started knowing people at the radio station. And then a job came up bizarrely on The Breakfast Show that next year as a creative writer, as someone that would write bits and pieces like jokes or ideas or segment ideas or whatever, just the breakfast show at the time was like in its eighth or ninth or tenth year or something. So it was sort of just let's get another voice in there behind the scenes to add a few ideas in was essentially my job. But it it, it started to it started to prove to me that if you if you just take it's all about random connections. But mm. you but you those random connections can't happen unless you give them an opportunity to happen. So that began sort of shaping that feeling in me of just going, yeah, that this is way more fun just living life this way and trying to cultivate opportunities and not getting too hung up on any outcomes. Have you always felt like that? That you know. I'll I'll just let life kind of take me and, you know, if I do get this job, then great. Or has there been times where it's like, no, nah, that's the job that I want? And especially later on in your career when you obviously had a name and... It's everyone's sort of balance, isn't it, between the push-pull. Like you could push really hard for stuff or just be pulled or let yourself be pulled by the direction that things are going and... I reckon there's a time for both. Like there are times you've got to back yourself and go, I reckon I can do this and I'm going to push to go for it. And then other times where you will get pulled in a direction you were not expecting at all, but hopefully I've got enough of an open mind, that when a pull comes along, you're, you're willing to see it for what it is rather than have tunnel vision somewhere else for an area that's that doesn't want you. So I think there is a, there's a, I've found that if things feel like they're flowing well and there's a bit of an effortlessness to it, it's a much better direction to be going in rather than battling very hard to try and get a specific thing that in the end, it usually probably isn't worth the battle to get to, to get that specific. That's probably when ego is coming into it, mm. rather than just doing things for the real reason we should be doing things, which is they're they're fun and the, and they present us with fun, creative challenges to solve and the kind of challenges we like solving. Throughout your career, has doubt ever reared its head? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, that's and yeah, then yeah, yeah. How do you deal with that? So there's probably a few. There's probably just a few versions of it, like a few members of the doubt family. There's the normal performance anxiety that I guess I wish I didn't have, but do you uh, still get that all the time? Oh my god, you so couldn't tell. But but that's but I think I think everybody does get it. Yeah, like, and and you know I remember early on in my career, someone's like, "Well, don't be worried about being nervous. That just means you're professional." Mm. Like, and that and there is a part of me that's just like, "Well, that is what being a professional is." Like, 
you, you know, if you're going to do this thing where you're not doing it as a hobby, it's not, you're not just trying to be funny at a dinner party, you've sort of stepped up and gone, look, for better or worse, and I'm not always going to be good at this, but I'm going to say this is my professional thing that I'm going to be funny. So there's always doubt because you're probably questioning like, oh, shit, did I, do we put enough thought into this idea or have I put enough thought into how this is going to play out? All the time. Like I think doubt is like a, it's a constant background track in your head. There's always that voice going, this isn't going to work. You haven't thought about this enough. You haven't done it enough. And I guess over time, two things happen. Like A, you learn to, um, you learn to get a gut feeling for what the right amount of preparation and what the right kind of idea feels like, which comes with experience. So now when that voice pops up, it's easy to go, no, I'm confident. Like I think we can do this. It's always battling yourself. So you're always telling yourself, no, 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 I think we've got this. And then B, you 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 learn that that voice, that voice just isn't helpful. It will always be there, but it's just not helpful. Like there's just no good things come from giving in to that voice. That's just the voice that's trying to make you be safe. So you know doubt's always going to be there. You know nerves are always going to be there. You just have to learn to manage them, I think. It's no different than any other kind of fear. And I'm, and I'm not a professional at managing it either. Like I'm... You know, you're constantly racked by, far oh, out, is this the right thing to be doing? Or, you know, is this even funny? And you get lost in it, especially when you're trying to create funny things. Like all the time, you're just like, oh, this isn't funny anymore. I constantly spend my life getting surprised by what things people find funny that I do. And then also <laughs> when you think something's going to work and it doesn't work, but that's just, that's just the game. Do you reflect a lot on your career and think, God, look how far I've come and kind of, you know, look at those special people who saw the magic in you and think, God, that was nice of them. I still feel like it's a bit of a fluke. It's a hard thing to get past. Like going on this journey of going through like radio and TV, I think if it's proved anything to me, it's just like, well, there's nothing special about anyone <laughs> in, a, in a nice way. We're I would, all the same. It's... Well, that's the thing because growing up I was like, well, I guess people that are on TV, they're like special. They're yes. like special people and, you know, we'll be lucky to ever meet one of them. But then when it ha- when you're in it, you're like, oh, no, there's no such thing as special people. Mm. We're just, everyone's just people. So in that sense, it, it, you always, it always feels really weird. Like it always feels like a fluke. So there's a part of your brain that still, I guess, holds on to the fact that people on TV should be like special people. So you're a bit of an imposter. And then there's another part of your more rational brain that probably goes, no, but I think this is the point. Like you're all, everyone's just people. We're all just people. You just happen to have fallen this way in your career and it's weird and because you've ended up in this space that not many people end up in but it's but it's you I think it's important to remember it's mostly still a fluke in a good way I'm not saying that to go we didn't put in the work and we Mm. didn't try hard and we didn't want it like I don't think you need to be that self-deprecating I think you have to in our position to recognize luck like luck Different people have different views on this because I think sometimes people think luck is the opposite of hard work, but I just think they're all ingredients in the same yeah. soup. But I think the difference between you and Andy, for example, is the fact that you still, you know, by saying everything that you have just said then, there's still that gratitude that you have within you. Like you're, you know, some people that are at the top, you know, might maybe think that their shit doesn't stink, you know what I mean? But you guys realise that it does. So, you know... Oh, we should get my <laughs> wife on the phone. <laughs> um, so there is that bit in you that I, I, I feel like you've achieved what you've achieved because 
you guys still are so grateful for everything and like working with you both, you know, the way that I see you work with the team and how beautiful you are. And if, you know, someone's really gone above and beyond, you know, you always say something, you always recognise people for doing a good job. And that actually brings me to something. Do you remember, and this this just shows what, like what a beautiful soul you are, um, we were having a conversation, it was last year, and we were basically talking about acknowledgement and how, you know, obviously there's the inner acknowledgement of yourself, which is the most important thing, but it's also nice to kind of be recognised by other people and sometimes even if someone recognises you and they think that you're awesome, they may not say it to you. And so you don't know that the other person's kind of thinking that way. And when they do say something, it's such a beautiful feeling. And we had this conversation and then two days later, you wrote me the most beautiful email, which I have here. So it, it reads, compliment, you're excellent at your job and a real bloody dream to work with. And then you, you put the little prayer emoji. <laughs> and I tell you, that absolutely made my day. Like it, it was something so simple. But the fact that we'd had that conversation and then you went and actually acknowledged that. And we weren't talking about you and I. We were just talking about the topic in general. So many people wouldn't do anything like oh, that. that's lovely, sir. Thanks, mate. Oh, well, that, pleasure. I'm almost tearing up. <laughs> because I think there's a couple of parts to it. Like, So on the professional side of things, you've got... You know, like like you said, we we you know me and Andy like on the radio show, we're the ones getting the accolades, right? Like we whatever happens, if something great happens on air by whatever our standard of great is, like that, you know, that that was something like we hadn't heard before. That was a genuinely funny moment, like something we're always chasing, like a genuinely great moment. We're so aware of the fact that it, it's never just us creating it, right? Like it's all, so often because someone went above and beyond, or had a great thought, or like in a clutch moment, did some amazing like lateral thinking and 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 the team wins from that from that kind of germ of an idea that quite often or that germ of like an instinct or an impulse that like a lot of the time isn't me and Andy doing it. It's something behind the scenes that then allows it to happen on air, which we get the credit for. So we're like, well, we spend all our time like kind of reaping the reward of that. We we know what it's like to be those members of the team. We've spent time behind the scenes and everybody's giving up their day. No one's day is more important than anyone else's. Like everyone's giving up their day to be here and we just happen to be the guys on there getting that obvious recognition. So there is a big part of us that I think is always conscious of that. Then on the, like just on the on the human to human side of things, yeah, it's funny because we, I know in my heart, I'm like, it would be a much easier life to not need recognition. Like it would be much, we all, we would be much, you know, you wouldn't have to, you know, it'd be much easier to life to not be looking at likes and clicks and, you know, needing pads to know I'm just doing a good job and I'm doing it to meet my standards and that's all I care about. But when people, but you're right, when people take the time out to go, thank you, like, thank you for, 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 for what you're doing, that's just a little gift that's so easy to give people to go, well, to like a little piece of humanity to remember, like, we're all here seeing the good in each other. And that's not a hard thing to do. So that's lovely of you, Sam. I mean, you do that. You always make us feel extremely, extremely valued too. So it's the least we can do to oh, send it back. You know, pleasure. How do you have, like I've seen you every day, how do you have that passion for life that you, you, you know, you're so inspiring and you, you're so happy and 
I, you know, for a long time you were doing the radio show that the hours are taxing on that, but every day you walk in and there's a smile on your face. How, how do you have that love for life? I suppose it comes down to like, what do you gauge as important? And for me, like I said, as a little kid, I was like, well, having fun, laughing, like having an adventure and making sure you're laughing a lot, just to me seems like the obvious point of life. And I think I get excited too by the people that are around us. Like we always have had great teams around the radio show and the podcast and and that's where you and I have spent most of our time. And, you know, people are the cause of a lot of that laughter and that happiness. Like we just, I don't know, there's a bit of an overwhelming sense of, I feel like we feel extremely lucky or I feel extremely lucky to get to do what we do. Not so much to get to do our radio show or our TV show, but to get to turn up to a place with really funny, clever smart, kind, like-minded people and make things and like create things. Like I feel like that's a very lucky way to spend your day. And I reckon that's probably the source of a lot of that happiness. And and it's all for nothing if you're not getting any of that. Like if, if you know, I think if things like money or status or whatever are on that list and they're not a means to an end, they're there, if they're an end, then then I would be worried about my list if, if it included that sort of stuff. So we're really just chasing great moments. Like that's all we're doing in life is trying to have great, great genuine moments. It's what we try and do on air, but more and more so it's like that's why our days are so fun because so much of it happens off air too and we're extremely lucky to have that team. And same with, you know, you're a mum. Same with family life. That's all you're doing at home is just mm. you're just trying – I just find myself constantly just trying to slow my brain down to be in this like one tiny moment here, not not trying to take a photo of it, not trying to not trying to save it, even though that's often my instinct. But just to go to take an example from the other day, like oh my god, Rudy, who's my daughter, her hair, her, the back of her head, it's the best. It's just those little soft curls that little one year olds get in the back of their head. And I'm just like, just look at the sun in her curls, and that is a great way to spend this moment. And that's what it's you know. What could be more fun than that? Yeah. Do you try to practice mindfulness? I do. I do a lot. I try and do that thing. Like I try and meditate every day, but I also try. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm. You're not at my level yet. <laughs> I don't have a tick in every single day of the box this year, but I do meditate a lot, and I and it's simple, and I love it because it does exactly what we're talking about. Like it draws you back to the moment, makes you realize that just just nothing else exists except that moment, and. I like, even just as a throughout the day practice, I'm not sure like what school teaches this or who it falls under, but that idea of just focusing on one sense. You know, do you ever do that where you're just like, I'm just going to, even if you're just going for a walk or whatever, I'm just going to think about like what I can see visually yes. and ignore what I can hear and feel and smell for a while. Or Everything changes when you do that. Like the way that you I look at the trees, they're so much greener when you're just looking at them when and you're not really thinking trying to of see them. Else. Yeah. And I really find that it helps calm the mind. I also help find that it helps if you I do it with my kids all the time. So I'm like, I'm just gonna think about the way Sonny's hair smells or whatever for like for this moment and for the next even if it's just ten seconds, twenty seconds, everyone's got ten or twenty seconds. I think sometimes with meditation you're like, well, Maybe I'll have 20 minutes later on. I don't really have 20 minutes now. But to just sort of, I do that all the time with the kids. Just focus on like, all right, I'm just going to really just look at the shape of Sonny's eye or whatever. Or I'm just going to feel how soft Rudy's hands are and just think of nothing else. Like don't don't hold her hand and think about what I'm going to make for dinner or whatever. Just really try and drink it in. Because I'm, I'm obsessed with the kids, obviously, like every parent is, but I'm also just floored by how little time you have with them. 
there's nothing you can do except just try and enjoy the, the moment, like trying to go as deep as you can in the moment because nothing else, you got nothing yeah. else. Well, that's what they say. Well, all we have is this, this moment that's in it. time. I don't, and, I, and I think, yeah, kids especially make you realise that. Do you think you've changed a lot since having kids? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I do a lot. I mean, in a green, like I find it, it's like a real, I find it quite peaceful. Like there's a calm to it because mm, you sort of realise. I agree with that. And without being morbid, you're like, all right, well, Oh yeah, I will die. That's it. Of course, we're all going to die, and then we'll be. I'll be old, and then these guys will be a lot younger than me, and then I'll die, and then there'll be the next generation. I hadn't really thought about it until I had kids. I'd always just sort of thought the world was about me and my friends and everyone about our age, and we were the most important people. When in your life did you go? Okay, this is like I'm going to swap things around, and it is about being in that present moment and spending time with my kids. That's important. I think it was, it's probably more having kids makes you put everything in sharp focus yeah. to go, well, I, you just got to have, everything's got to sort of hit a standard of quality. Like, I'm not going to quit my job because I love doing what we do, but I'm certainly not going to, certainly in my 20s, there was no question. Like, if we were, if we needed to go on the road for six weeks, like, it's to even go, does that suit everyone? Would have seemed like a weird thing to say because there's just been no question that that at the at, in our twenties, like the jo- the doing our job is our maximum priority. So it probably put everything in more of a sharp focus. Where you're like, well, now I have this other giant factor in life to make sure that everyone sort of everything hits that quality. So it's just a reshuffling, I think, of everything. So maybe it was kids, but maybe it was more just that thing of tr- going from your twenties to your thirties, where you're like, you just pedal your guts out in your twenties and you try and set things up, and then I think. My belief is then if you can in your 30s, you're transitioning to a bit more of a life where you're you're deciding when and where you'll do things and, and what is important. Like, And for me, it's kids, but that's not the same for everyone. For other people, it might be that their career is twice as important in their 30s and that's what they've decided to prioritise and that's great. The only thing I think that becomes more apparent is you, just, you begin to get a better idea of what's important to you and you want to prioritise that. And with your life, you know, kind of moving forward and work and family, do you like, I mean, obviously you're, you're unbelievably busy now, but when you were doing the radio show, that was every single day mm-hmm. and now you do different projects. Do you feel that you will still keep a lot of time for your family and do other projects kind of, it's not really on the side, but I, I hope to. I hope to create way more. I'm, I, don't, I don't like being busy. I don't want to be busy and I don't think being busy is a badge of honour. My goal is to not be busy. My goal is to do good things and then have tons of spare time. If I can be not busy and still sort of satisfied on like a friends, family, work, community front, that, that's what I'm going for. Tons of free time. <laughs> Tons of free time. I'm gunning. I'm gunning to start re- to start at least having a few days a week of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most difficult choice that you've had to make to walk the path that you're on? Maybe those early days where you feel, yeah. I mean, in in the reference frame of being, I suppose, in your early twenties and going, all right, I'm not. I'm going to try and walk a different path, and that's there's no guarantees there. Like it feels difficult but it's just a no-brainer in hindsight because you're like, well, what else are we going to do? Like, just do normal stuff. Like, it's like anything where you're kind of coming out of your teenage years, it feels big and difficult, but it wasn't really a hard a hard choice. There's probably a lot of, like, family and friend sacrifices you make early on in your career when you are travelling a lot and, and, you, and your career is, like, 100% of your time. There's probably, like, things that you miss out on. But no, there's no kind of, like, oh, well, I was best friends with Warren and 
you know, then we never saw each other and I miss Warren so much and we can never be friends again. I got no Warren. Do you look back at your life with any regrets at all? No, no. We could have done stuff way differently. I could have done tons of things better, but you can't have regrets. I don't think you can have regrets. You can have less, a lot of lessons, like tons of like, well, don't do this again, but that's not a regret. And what is a life of greatness to you? I, just, I think a life of greatness is knowing what's important to you and quietly making sure that it's it's happening, as long as it's obviously not hurting other people. But to me, that's a that's a life of greatness is positively impacting the people around you and the people that you care about. If you can do that, that's I think that's a life of greatness. Hamish Blake, you're an absolute inspiration. And also being great at footy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Sarah. Total pleasure. If you've enjoyed this episode, then I'd love you to join my community on Instagram at Sarah Grimberg, where we post videos and behind-the-scenes footage of each recording. You can also join my private Facebook group, Live Life Greatly, where we discuss the content in this episode and many more, as well as give advice and tips on how to live a life of love and meaning. To purchase my ebook, Finding Greatness, head to sarahgrimberg.com. And if you love what you heard, then we'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and leave a five-star review. It will help us share this wisdom with others. A Life of Greatness's executive producer is me, Sarah Grimberg. Audio producers, Matt Nikolich and Darcy Thompson. Special thanks to Grant Tothill for bringing this dream to life. For more episodes, search a Life of Greatness podcast, download the new listener app now and listen for free. Listener.